Hello and welcome to the Coach's Cup. I am Sonia Green and today I have uh, a special guest with me, someone whom, and Sarah, I didn't ask you about this before we started uh, recording, but is it okay to tell them how we met? Sure. Okay, so Sarah was one of my interviewees as I was doing research for imposter syndrome. I really meant to ask you that beforehand, totally forgot. So we had one of those conversations that just kind of stuck in my head. And I wanted to bring her to you so that we could talk a little little bit about her experience with imposter syndrome. And I think she's got some really good information to share with everybody today. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, I am. <laughs> it's always I always feel a little awkward, little little moment. So there we are. I'm a potter and an educator. I uh, live in New Hampshire, and I'm an instructor at Dartmouth Student Workshops. I'm a ceramics instructor, and I have been a potter ooh, for not quite 30, yeah, about 30 years, I guess I'd say. And I exhibit all over and I teach workshop. That's that's primarily been what I do. And I live in an old barn. With in my New Hampshire. It, in sounds, New Hampshire. it sounds like yeah. the perfect life, you know, for somebody from the South. And oh, sure. We've talked a little bit about the difference in that, about who has snow and who has flowers, but it's still, I think I would trade it at least for one winter. <laughs> So, Sarah, tell us when you first heard the term imposter syndrome, because then I'm going to go back and ask you about your first experience with it. But but like most people, you didn't hear about your first experience. You didn't name it imposter syndrome. So tell us when you first heard of the term imposter syndrome. I want to say I may be wrong, but I'm going to credit Jalangi actually. Because I'm part of her Run Your Best Life group. Mm-hmm. I joined that coaching group. And she's out of the life school with Brooke Costillo. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was when I first heard it. Talking specifically about someone who maybe hadn't defined herself as athletic. Because you didn't fit the physical model that was being shown. Or just self-definition wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I think that. And so for me, that might have been when I started hearing that term and then you talked about it so cogently that it Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk further about it with you but I think it was five years ago maybe four five years so actually pretty late in your career then oh lord yes I mean I have certainly known I, I the the term I would say and sort of I've developed ways of dealing with the feeling over my lifetime, mm-hmm. but actually having something, some, some box to put it in yeah, has been fairly recent, I would say. Okay. Well then go back and tell us when you first encountered it. Oh, well, I, we had talked about this a little bit before I, when I was 16, well, when I was 15, I worked on a schooner. I started working. I grew up on the coast of Maine and there were these schooners that would take out. Honestly, it's not totally clear because it was it's decades ago now, but maybe 20, 30 people. And I worked in the in the galley in the kitchen and I was at 16 hired as a cook. Now, I didn't have 
any real experience except insofar as working as an assistant, like a galley cook washing dishes. And so there I was being asked to feed these people who that was the main source of entertainment, you know, and I thought, oh, my goodness, who am I to do this? And I screwed up all the time. Let me be clear. Like it wasn't a smooth thing, but I had to show up like the day I made the the stew where I didn't know you should take the fat off the top and I served it and no one ate it. And then the, like the captain had to take me aside. I had to show up the next week and still do that job. So I had to come up with a way, like I cried and I felt terrible. And I had to come up with a way of talking to myself Mm -hmm. that would allow me to show up. Um, and it was very uh, rocky. And um, and I thought, who am I to do this? But that was sort of the, I, I would say, the very first moment. Mm-hmm. And truly, I wasn't completely prepared yeah. at the time. But that was the first time that I, I felt like, oh, my God, what? who am I? Who am I to do this? This is crazy. So um, what? why do you think you did keep going? Because I think You know, I talked um, a couple of weeks ago about the difference between having a lack of confidence and imposter syndrome. And one of the big things that I see is that people with imposter syndrome, they do find a way to keep going. I have one of those mothers who was determined to raise strong women. Mm-hmm. And she was an educator until, you know, maybe I'm trying to think, maybe six years ago. And now, as a fellow educator, we've had many interesting conversations over the years. And she's been a tremendous support to me as I have worked in that field in some fashion. And like what she unpacked for me that I I'm gonna, it'll, it'll. I promise it'll circle around what she would do when she would, she teaches all levels, has taught all levels, but um, she would say to people, you are so gifted. I know you can do this whether or not she saw evidence of that in the person, she would see a spark Mm -hmm. and she would help them unpack that. And now looking back at my childhood, I'm like, Oh, like I never had a doubt that I, that the expectation was that I was going to reach my highest potential. I don't mean that like there were repercussions of any evil thing, but like her saying, I know you can do this and her sort of providing that idea because she was not a good cook. Let me be clear. Like that was not part of her self-definition, but I knew that I was smart and that I, I'd had lots of, I mean, I was fortunate. I was in a, a, a person who fit the particular, uh, whatever rubrics they were using at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought I can do this. It, just like, I think most of us have that feeling when we're like learning to drive and it doesn't go so well. Yeah. And we're like, okay, I know at least if we're, if we're fortunate enough to, to have a sense of self have been helped. And I was. And so I think for me, I knew, even though I was devastated, I also knew that I could do it, that I, I was, I was strong and I was building that sense of strength at the time. 
And again, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I don't want to understate the fact that I had a verbal support. Yeah. A, a lot. Yeah. So well, and that may be, that may be one of the pieces of it, right? The I fact so. that, yeah, because with a lack of evidence available, someone to believe in us may be that other key piece. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. I think about how, for me, the way, uh, if I think about through lines, mm-hmm. that the way I have, when I felt like an utter imposter, which is so often, you know, yeah. after I worked at this on the schooner and I then for two summers and then I went into restaurant cooking again I was quite young and I worked the woman who owned the restaurant who hired me because she said you know I know anyone who has done this job can do anything she became a mentor to me Mm -hmm. when I was looking for thinking about college and what I was going to do, one of the things she always said, she said to me was, and I came back to it maybe 10 years later when I was applying to graduate school, actually, was she said, you know, you're an artist. I know this. I see that about you. Mm -hmm. That moment, those gifts that we as adults can give to someone else. I have been the recipient of so much generosity and, you know, that, that, that has helped me. Yeah. And that's, I love that. It's how this is a slight tangent, but it's part of when my friends started having babies, Mm -hmm. you know, in my third, primarily my twenties and thirties, but, and I thought, oh my God. And they start talking about things and I don't have a child. I've never really wanted to have a child. I enjoy them. I enjoy other people's. And I think, well, who am I to talk about this child and then I think I can listen and I can tell my friend how, what a great job I think they're doing because there is an aspect that yeah. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that for so many reasons. That is actually why I decided that when I was retiring from the university that I wanted to go into coaching. Because advising students, being able to help them through that transition period was absolutely my favorite thing that I did. And coaching is very much like that in that we get to look at people's, you know, and many times they tell us things about themselves that they would never tell others. And we get to know them and we get to lift them up from the places they're in simply by what we see in them. And so, yeah, I love that. I think that's awesome. And, you know, for our listeners, take those opportunities to build young people up. We we hear so much negative in the media about millennials and Gen Z. And let me tell you, there are some fantastic young people out there. And, you know, they might be just ready for a word from you. And it it does a lot of good for you too, right? When you can give back to somebody like that. I feel, I feel like one of my great privileges is to work with, I mean, I love working with all ages, but Mm -hmm. I adore working with college students. I love teaching workshops. I love, you're right. I feel like I am lifted up. 
Yeah. Absolutely. By that energy and by the promise and yeah. by the just brilliance. Yeah. Because they see things differently. And part of what I have to do is actually be quiet and listen hard to what they're saying mm-hmm. and see if there's I can help them. Cause it's it's not like I'm gonna dump and go. Yeah. It's like you that know, becomes patronizing. It is exactly. It's yeah. condescending. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, 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 no one wants that. Right. <laughs> we yeah. know it when other people talk to us, mm-hmm. but if, if we treat people with respect, which, you know, imperfect cause human, but it is amazing. You know, I, my, my current job, I, I work students come in, they're not taking these classes for credit. I, it's been a long time since I've taught classes, which people are taking for credit. And that was a different contractual relationship. You know, mm-hmm. they had to do this. They wanted to, but to some extent I felt, and I, I do believe this very strongly that I needed to take them through something that was comparable to any other university so that they understood what the level was. Sure. Whereas now I have the privilege of meeting them where they are and encouraging them mm-hmm. to learn this field ceramics is very challenging it's like you look on youtube it looks really easy and then you do it and you're like holy moly this is this is harder than i thought and then my job is to say yeah it is good for you and helping them notice when they're making progress it's amazing yeah um which is a little off off i think off off what we're talking about but i that just just thinking about that no i i think there are certainly applications of that to our lives as well you know, having that awareness and being able to say, yeah. You had asked about imposter syndrome and I was, I was going to go to an example fairly recently this past year. Would you like me to? Absolutely. So I was a master artist this last, uh, in 2022 and I, which was a wonderful honor. It was amazing. And first I was so delighted. And then I thought, oh my goodness, you know, who am I? to offer this workshop. Like they, they, they said, no, you get to do whatever you want. And I thought, oh, okay. And, and, you know, I went through a a spiral of, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, you know, is it, I I'm so happy to do this and I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I, and even as like my intellectual self is like, yeah, why not me? I am of a particular level. I've done certain things and um, I I have a pretty healthy ego I'm around my work. I, I have a good ego, but the preparation I had to do to give a lecture, a lecture that was going to be filmed and a, a workshop was I had to allow myself to dream, like take away my ego, just sort of put that aside and talk to people I trusted, like talk out loud. I have a a dear friend who is a mentor to me and then has become a friend. Mm -hmm. So in that time, she saw me when I was, you know, before I went to graduate school. So she was the director of this ceramic arts facility. I worked at Watershed and she, so she helped me at that time and became a friend. So I could talk to her and be naked and say, oh my God, what am I going to do? Let me tell you what I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. and talk a lot. And we could sort of look at it. And I talked to her and then I sort of went into my, I think my musician partner would call it woodshedding. 
you know, like go into my head and sort of write out everything I was going to do and create like little moments where um, deadlines, where I had to figure out things so that I was prepared ahead of time. I had, you know, I did my slide lecture for myself and then I did it again. And then I put it aside. I figured out, I, I showed up early to the place I was going to at that. This was the Huntington Museum. They have a Walter Gropius Master Artist Series. And I I did, um, it's an amazing program. And I showed up early. They let me do that. And I prepared and I got into my head and I gave myself that space mm-hmm. to be like, no, my job is to show up as that master artist, to take that on, to believe them. Mm-hmm. To actually take that and say, yes, someone else believes it. I'm going to believe the best about me and not question it in this moment. I can do whatever I need to privately. I can go to my hotel room and I can I can do whatever I need to. I can schedule a call with a friend if I need to and say whatever went wrong or whatever went right. I can brag. I can cry, whatever. But here... I am going to be this person. So it's almost like like when I do a show, when I have a big show or something, mm-hmm. I think about my clothes very carefully. I'm putting on my, I'm putting on something where I feel most like myself. Mm-hmm. But also I feel just like really strong. Mm-hmm. And so I have, you know, it makes me laugh. Like right now I'm talking to you. I have on this skirt, which has, it makes me laugh. It has dinosaurs on it that are a pattern. And I, it's what I wear when I'm teaching or when I'm Uh going out because I'm like, that's who I want to be. I'm not, does that make sense? No, it absolutely makes sense. Yes. I think, I think there is a, I don't, not costume and not disguise necessarily, but I think that there is, because I have a teacher outfit as well. Yes. And and putting that on, I am ready to go into the classroom. And so, yeah, I I think there's something to that. Does your coach, is your coaching outfit different than your teaching outfit? I'm curious. Or ha- are you still, de- is that, a- I, I am still developing that at first it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will tell you, it's generally a cardigan with, you know, some kind of shell that that's my, you know, that's my teaching outfit. And that was my professor outfit. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's developing. It'll be interesting to see what that is, but I happen to think as you were talking I had mentioned that I was going to bring up when we interviewed, you talked about how imposter syndrome makes you overprepare. Mm-hmm. And some people might say that what you've just described, when you went in early to, mm-hmm. to look at the facility, to get kind of get into your head with it, some people might call that overpreparing. And I wonder if we, if that's not really fair because if it's part of the process, maybe that's something that people with imposter syndrome have figured out how to do, where people who lack confidence haven't quite made that bridge to that point yet. I can think back to my unillustrious undergraduate college years, and I can think back to when 
it's when I let him, well, I just didn't have the tools at the time mm-hmm. to do a fi- final exams. Like mm-hmm. I can remember lying on the grass, reading children's books outside the library, mm-hmm. the local library, rather than and eating probably jelly beans, you know, rather than studying for my exams. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, I don't know what to do. It's it's as good as it gets. And that was not a great moment. That was like my first year. And then from there, from that experience, I had to come up with better answers than that. I didn't fail, so it was all good, but it didn't work for me. Like first I thought, who am I to be here? Mm -hmm. And then I let myself, I think imposter syndrome in its functional setting allows you maybe it be a spur to over-prepare or to create to for me i know that anytime i have something i value mm-hmm. like that i'm doing this of something i value i need to create um early deadlines yes. i need so that i can go through mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and then i have enough time to put that feeling away and sort of calm myself i mean some some people meditate many people do and then i can come in so it's sort of like I have to do this ahead. I do it with work. I mm-hmm. always show up. Days I'm teaching. I'm not stressed about teaching. I get a little hyped up yeah. because it's I, I, it matters to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I always show up early. So yes, I think it is. It's process. For me, it's, it's like, you know, I am not a production potter. I am a person who's a studio potter who might do... Mm, in a really big year when I'm not teaching, I'm just working in my studio, that's 300 pots. So mm-hmm. I don't make a, you know, like it is, it's my process. And, and I do think, I mean, there are gifts of age, which I found really condescending. Let me be clear. I think everyone, we are where we are, but at this point, I'm in my fifties. I, I know myself a little better because I've fallen. Mm-hmm. I've picked myself up. Yes. God. Yeah. And I mean, that's a gift. That I've been absolutely is. I, <laughs> I agree 100%. Yes. So I could continue this conversation all day, but to kind of start to wrap it up, tell me advice for women who, who are still trying to figure out how to overcome their imposter syndrome. What advice do you have for them? Listen to the people who've told you something about yourself that you were discounting positive. If someone said to you, oh my God, you are so gifted at this, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. take it and file it away for those moments. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean believe other people other than yourself. I don't mean that. I need to be extremely clear with that. But I think that we especially people socialize as women. We, and not that I know men who have this too, but that we discount, we're socialized to discount praise. And I think sometimes in those moments when we're like, who am I to do this? We need to have a little box or a piece of paper. I, maybe you need to write down, mm-hmm. sit down every day and figure out like when you're about to do something big and scary, sit down 
and like write out those times when someone said, you're, you're good at this or, oh, that's really unusual. Take that in and believe it. Yes. That's why I talked to my friend, Holly. That's what my, my mentor I talked to. I have mm-hmm. certain friends when I need help picking myself up, but I also keep those in my head. Yeah. And yeah. And, and having a mentor, I mean, that's one of those great pieces of, of advice for overcoming imposter syndrome is finding yeah. a mentor, usually someone who looks like you, mm-hmm. you know, who as much as they possibly can, because we tend for whatever reason, we tend to believe them more. We tend to yep. see ourselves reflected in them more, but absolutely finding a mentor or just thinking back to those pieces because we do, we discount them every day. Yeah. And for me, it's so interesting. I've been, I've thought a little bit about for me, when I think about people who've served as that, they're probably 15 years older than me, 10 Mm -hmm. to 15. They're a little further on the path, Mm -hmm. but they're not, I can understand them. And you're right. Like in the arts, it's been, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like I think about that. I'm like, oh, when might I think about, you know, like slowing down or changing? And I look to my friend and I think, hmm, maybe then. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, it's it's so important. And we discount that sometimes. Yeah. Any other pieces of advice? Well, the other thing is, you know, I do, I listen to people all the time. Like I have you in my head, head. I have other people in my head. Like when I work in the studio and Absolutely. I- I've had periods in my life when I, like when I was heading, when I was leaving a teaching job and I was setting up my own studio, I would, at the time, podcasts weren't so much of a thing, but I would have a diet of, like, I would choose a book that I was reading in the mornings. It might've been Mary Oliver poems, but it was something that was getting my head in the space where I could show up for that person I needed to be. Yes. And that for some people that's movement. It's but it's like really paying attention mm-hmm. to what helps you feel strong. Yeah. What feeds you? What feeds you? Whatever that may be. Yeah. And and so I I think it could be a podcast, it could be a book, it could be a church service, I, I whatever that may be. I think you, you, we get these whispers. Mm-hmm. You just have to tune into them. Yes. Or, and it's a process, Lord knows. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. But we, you know, remembering back to my 30s, to my 20s, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't think I had time to pay attention to things like that. That's yeah. not productive. That's not a good use of my time. And it absolutely is. It, if I had figured that out, 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, who knows? The world might might not be able to put up with me now. <laughs> but, but seriously, it's finding those things that feed us and understanding that that's a por- an important part of who we are. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic advice. You said one other thing during the interview, and I told you I was going to bring this up. So I'm just going to kind of drop it out there and see let you go with it. One of the really the key quotes that I wrote down when we were talking about imposter syndrome, you said, so much we do isn't measurable. And 
I thought that was just really important, especially as women, not just women, certainly. But can you talk a little bit about what you meant by that and how that plays into imposter syndrome? Yeah, I'm going to take it right now. I think about it as a, it's funny, when I have my educator hat on, like when I teach a workshop or I teach a short class, I can feel like I'm engaged. Mm -hmm. Things are happening, but I don't have, and I can, I can hopefully remember that, but memory is fleeting. Mm -hmm. You know, I, unless I write down what I've done or how that felt, whether or not I can look back on that, or I can count on that is, or, or whether or not people have the time to give me feedback. These days I have come to ask for it pretty. And, and this is a two-edged sword, I will say, because I was just looking at Carol Lowenthal has, I haven't listened to it yet, but a podcast about how women say, is that okay? Uh-huh. What, I, is that a good idea? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm well aware of this being a two-edged sword, mm-hmm. but like I taught my most recent lar- longer scale workshop was last last spring, where people came up to me and said, "Oh my gosh, this was great," and I hold on to that in my head when I'm teaching right now. Like yesterday, I taught a workshop with four, you know, mostly beginners, and I think, okay, um, I'm going to hope. I'm going to, I'm going to have to believe that this is, I'm dropping stone into a pool and there's going to be ripples that are going to change Mm -hmm. something, but I've come to that, um, over the years, I did not know when I was teaching, I felt like I had to be such a hard ass when I was a, a, a young professor, mm-hmm. I had so much to prove because I felt like I was not good enough. I was a last minute hire. Who the heck was I to be teaching? And I had no way of knowing what I was. I didn't know. People weren't at the time. People weren't really into giving lots of positive feedback. It was really about. um you know, well, you didn't get fired. That's good. You know, <laughs> right. So I um, have had to come up with my own systems of measurement. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, I also I'm a potter of a certain level, like I'm, I'm, I'm known, I'm not super famous. I'm, I don't know, Demi, maybe under Demi famous, you know, certain yeah. people know about me, but um, I have had I have been invited to shows that I respected, that I wanted to be part of, that I felt like were the top of the field mm-hmm. in what I do. And so when I don't know, when I feel like, who am I? That's my measurement mm-hmm. because there isn't a measurement. Yeah. That's the thing. Like there isn't a book. There's not a Debrett's book of right. peerage, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So as with, I think all the good things, it's a messy and imperfect process. Mm -hmm. And it 
And I love that. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Because you get to make it work for you, right? You have to. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a non-scary way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And <laughs> in a creative way, in a an opportunity to build yourself, to create yourself kind of way. I, I had this um student, I was starting my current job, but it was like I was really young to it. And I didn't know the students. I really, I didn't know them well. And I was telling the student how I was, I, I meant it to be like this very inspiring speech. And I was like, this is, she's going to run with this. So I told her how amazing it was that you get to be a beginner potter for like 15 years. Cause this uh-huh. potter told me that. And I thought, oh, this is great. And this student was like, oh my God, well then why would I do it? And I thought, <laughs> Okay, that was exactly wrong for this moment and this person. And I've had other students where that was exactly right. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very interesting because for me, that takes away imposter syndrome. It's like, oh no, I get to be imperfect. I don't have to be perfect. Yeah. I am exactly right. But for her... I mean, she was, of course, she was 21 mm-hmm. and I, 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 and very, you know, someone who had been very successful, uh-huh. you know, at, at the time. So it's just, it was really interesting. Um, I had to sort of, after that, that moment, I had to like pull in deep and not, and, and sort of take out my own tools and be like, it's okay. That dropped. You're still you know, I had to think about what is, what, it, what are my sort of, how do I manage myself? Mm-hmm. Talk to my colleagues, you know, how am I not an imposter? Yeah. So, yeah. I think a big thing um, with imposter syndrome is understanding we don't have to worry about measuring our effect on anyone else, whether it's our students, anyone. It's about us. People are going to take from us. They're going to take things that, that we never remember saying that we said off the cuff, off which the is, time. yeah, which is really important to remember. I mean, that's, that's a lesson I had to learn. Um, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad, but you know, we can't give somebody something and know that, that they will take it and it will have the same meaning. We have to show up for us what's important for us and they will figure out what they need. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sarah, this has been a really, it's time has flown by, but I have enjoyed it so much. Any last words you want to share with any, with the audience? Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate you wanting to have this conversation and totally um, my pleasure. I very much, you are, you are enough and that keeps on changing. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Uh, In the meantime, if you're looking for coaching or if you want to take my new quiz that I have on my website, it's a big pink button on the top right hand corner. It says imposter syndrome question mark or have imposter syndrome question mark. Then you can pop on over to soniagreencoaching.com and take that. And I'll see you next week.